Hi, Jeff here from the University of Kentucky. Ciao, I'm Kristen from the University of Minnesota. Salut, this is Tina from the University of Colorado. And alam, greetings. This is Stuart from the University of Mississippi. Welcome to Pharmacy Fika. A podcast for pharmacy educators by pharmacy educators. Where we discuss teaching and learning, scholarship, and academic life. In Sweden, uh, a fika is a coffee break, but it's much more than that. It's a state of mind and attitude. It's all about slowing down. And finding time for friends and colleagues. While you sip a beverage and enjoy a little something nice to eat. So join us. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Fika. We are on Epidose number 20, which is hard to believe. It is August that we're recording this, and we have just returned from AACP. Kristen was not able to go this year, but three of us did, and we thought we would share some of our experiences with Kristen and with you, our audience. So that's our topics today, is really to do AACP annual meeting highlights. But before we get there, we always share our snack and beverage choices. So I'm curious what y'all brought today. Well, I can start. I have some pistachios, but they are garlic and garden herb flavored. I saw them in the store. I was like, I don't know if that sounds disgusting or good. (laughs) So I got them and they're good. Trader Joe's, by the way. No, not Trader Joe's. I've seen those in Trader Joe's, actually. Well, it's Palisade peach season in Colorado. And when I first moved to Colorado and they told me they have great peaches, I was like, sure. Next thing you tell me is that they have great tomatoes like they have in the South. And then my mom's going to have to slap you. That can't be true. I know where they have great peaches, South Alabama and Georgia. But these Palisade peaches, for some reason, are very, very delicious, despite not having any moisture. I don't even know how they become so juicy and delicious, but I'm delighted to have a Palisade. So I have, and this is probably a bad thing, I have a jar of dry roasted peanuts that I found, I'm working from home today, that I found in our pantry. And the bad thing is I've been sitting here munching on them probably for the last 20 minutes. Oh, Jeff, you're so out of control. (laughs) Have you exceeded 20 of them? In my, in my defense, I'm normally eating lunch right now. So this is probably why I'm so hungry. And then I have some black and blueberry sparkling water. Oh, very nice. Good. Well, I have Celsius. I think yeah, a lot of people have been drinking this. Like everywhere I go, everyone's drinking Celsius. They're all wound up on energy drinks. I have this orange sparkling one. It's a good little pick-me-up because it's later in the morning here right now. And then my Quaker cheddar rice crisps. They're kind of fun to eat. They come in different flavors. This morning, I thought I would go the savory way rather than the sweet way. So, But that's my snack this morning. All right. Well, let's get started with some conversation about the annual meeting. And we realize that not everyone has AACP as the annual meeting of choice, but we all have this conference experience, hopefully at some point in our careers and hopefully regularly. I was curious, as you guys think back over the years, How has your participation in AACP, the annual meeting, changed over the course of your career? We all interact with conferences in different ways, go for different purposes, get different things out of them, and we probably notice a shift over time. So how has it changed for you? Well, so I remember the very first AACP meeting, I was at a session every hour, every time there was a session, I was in a session 
going to something from the beginning to the very end that slowly changed over time to where the meeting for me is more of a collaboration space and, and less of a learning space. I still learn quite a bit, but I'm actually going there more to see people I haven't seen, talk to people I haven't talked to, start projects, finish projects, those types of things. So I find myself not going to as many sessions, but getting as much or more out of it. Yeah, for me, my first AACP was 1995, and it was one week before I started my first academic job. And actually, I, I was moving from Mississippi to North Carolina, and the, the dean said, you, you should go to this meeting. So I basically flew to Philly and then back to North Carolina. It wasn't my group. I had never been to that meeting before. I'd mainly only been to pharmacy practice meetings, and I found it very it, not the quantity of people that like ASHP hits you in the face with 20,000 pharmacists, but just this like, oh my gosh, there's that many people out here that care about this. And there was probably 80 schools at the time. And I also remember my first, the teacher seminar at that time was actually the learn to teach seminar. And it was something that they advised new faculty to do. So I went and it was some of the bastions of pharmacy education at the time. Heidi Anderson, Peggy Piazic, leading that session. And I thought it was so helpful because I really had a lot of passion for, for what my job was going to be, but I didn't have a lot of skill. And I met people in that teacher seminar who were also sort of in their first year who ultimately became sort of part of my crew going forward. And when we still laugh about that first teacher seminar when our eyes were this big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to, I think, one ACP meeting early in my career, but my organization of choice was really related to my discipline, which was American College of Clinical Pharmacy. So I religiously went to those meetings. There were two of them. There used to be the spring forum. Actually, it was called the winter forum when I first went, but then it became the spring forum and then the annual meeting for ACCP. So I didn't have a lot of funds to go but when I try to submit something for the AACP meeting on a re- educationally related topic, and if I would get accepted or I had a poster, I would go. So I would say I went two or three times early in my career. I remember going to Boston. That's a great site, which is where next year's meeting is going to be. But it's really only later in my career when I've transitioned more into, I've done all the things clinically I can and I've developed in my discipline. And I think this is very common for people is they get to a point where they want to be better at teaching or connect with other people. That's a a major part of their position. And that's really the last 15 years of really made sure I go to every AACP meeting and gotten very involved, plus getting involved with committees and contributing in some way to the academy through papers and reports and, and those sorts of things have been a really fulfilling part of my career in the last 15 years for sure. Because the meeting was local for, for me in Colorado this year, we had about 30 people go. And I really pushed hard for us to support anybody at assistant professor to go to the meeting. Part of that was you don't have to pay for travel. And darn, we didn't get to stay in the Gaylord. <laughs> but we had th- about 30 people there, faculty, staff, and a couple of students. And significantly more than half of them had never been to AACP before. We, we did a prep meeting ahead of time because I can remember like going, can you go to a session that's from another section? If you don't really know the organization well, you're like, well, I can't go to the biology section 
you know, I'm not in the biology right. section. So we did a little bit of talking about the structure of the meeting. And I, it was interesting. I was thinking about how I prep students for going to that first meeting and explaining that, yes, definitely go to this interesting, something that appeals to you, but also take a look at the House of Delegates or the Council of Faculties, things that are like people who are making decisions about your future. Mm-hmm. You want to get in sort of and understand what that process is. And I had a couple people afterwards that said, it was, you know, I probably wouldn't have gone to those things, but understanding how the organization works and how to influence the agenda of the organization, I think is a great step on your academic career. Yeah. Stuart mentioned that I wasn't able to be there. And so I am kind of living through you guys. AACP for me has been a place to really have a sense of the trends and and what is going on at other schools, what's going on in multiple places, what's really challenging people, what are they putting their creative energy into to try and solve. And so my next question to you guys was, what did you see? What problems did you see people working on? What seemed to be kind of those major themes this year? So the one thing that stood out to me, it was really apparent to me, was at the poster session when I was going through looking at them and the sheer number of posters that had to deal with remediation, retention, and those topics to where I had seen so many in a row, I started thinking, is there a track of Posters that are just, and I'm starting to look around is like, am I in a row that's all remediation? And it was not. And I don't know how many there were, but you could see of the number of schools that were trying to do different things. Jeff, I, I mean, I absolutely noticed that even I didn't count the number of posters, but I think there were 13 sessions, presentation sessions that dealt with remediation in some way. And that was something I never really counted before, but just the feel was very different. And you need to get out there, as as KJ says, and talk with other people. One, it makes you feel not so lonely of we're having to deal with something very hard and that I might not have thought about as deeply before. And I'm probably the only person in the world who's having to think about this versus wow, the academy is talking about this and I want to be part of that conversation. Maybe, you know, Stuart's a little bit further along or maybe Jeff tried something that worked and or didn't work. But that theme of remediation, and I also said, would say more conversations about equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging, which was very appealing to I'm glad you brought up student progression because that was the student affairs committee that you served on, right, Tina? And so Evan Robinson, that was one of the sessions I went to is to listen to each of the committee reports. I'm very interested in them. And they produced some really great stuff. I had a preview of it since I'm on the on the board, but the report of the student affairs committee on student success is an excellent report. It creates a nice framework for schools to think about. And so I really encourage people to read that. Of course, The Academic Affairs Committee came out with their COPA guidance for schools and faculty. Again, an excellent report about how to use the new COPA, the curricular outcomes and and impressible professional activities throughout the curriculum as guidance. And then the other committee report that I hope everyone will read is the Argus Commission report, which is on how do we incorporate climate change throughout the curriculum, its impact on health and how health institutions are impacting 
climate change. I think that's the one thing that was new to me as I began to learn on this topic. It's not just that climate change is impacting our health, and it has, but also that we're a contributor to it in big ways. Like healthcare delivery produce a lot of waste and a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, and we just don't think about it at all, like it's not on our radar. So how do we include those messages in our curriculum and give students who care about these issues uh, a chance to have a voice on it, to explore ways to make a difference about this? And we just don't create those opportunities enough. That report, the Argus Commission report, will be coming out as well in the fall. I love it. And that makes me think how AACP, inspired by the things going on nationally, it's such a value of going to conferences, too, to pick up on the, this dialogue that's happening in other places that you just get the wind of it while, while you're in the hallway or listening to a committee report, and suddenly you have a new issue on your radar screen that you need to, need to pursue back home. Other trends? One more thing that I noticed was, and I think I, I talked to Jeff about this in passing at the meeting, is there were so many good sessions. And again, the meeting was a little bit shorter this year, but that just meant there was 10 things going on at any one time that you would want to see. So two things is our group for the past two years has kept just an open padlet where people can jot down, here's some great sessions that we saw. And maybe this is somebody we want to reach out to when we get back or ask them to do a seminar for us, or this was something that we're curious about, which I found really great because we can't all be in every session at the same time. But the other thing is I would probably, if I looked holistically at the whole program, have said three big themes are pipeline, workforce, and Jeff's session on AI was literally busting at the seams. And probably the programming committee, it wasn't hot enough when they were planning, (laughs) but I, I think we probably could have used a few more sessions or, or longer time to, to discuss the implications. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Jeff's session on AI because one of the things I liked about it, not only the topic, right? The topic is kind of a hot topic right now, but the way they did it, which is the World Cafe format. I thought that was really effective. There was a lot of energy in the room, learning from other people about the issues and how their schools are handling it. And if you're not familiar with the World Cafe method of having a a group of people discuss a topic. We'll post that in the show notes, but I really enjoyed the format a lot, and I hope AACP will use it for lots of other kinds of issues that we need to discuss as an academy. So, Jeff, I don't know from your perspective, like how how did that session go for you and any lessons from that that you want to share with our audience? So I think it went extraordinarily well. I mean, you never know going to a session, how many people is going to come? How's it going to go? And really 95% of the credit goes to Sarah Schrader for that session for a couple of reasons. And, and Tina, as you mentioned, that was really an AACP session because the deadline for submissions really was at the same time. So there were no really session submissions, but AACP said, we can't have a conference with something that is this major going on and not address it. So she developed it and it was her World Cafe idea that she had think it participated elsewhere and was, we were really kind of experimenting to see, is this going to be something that could be used in other things? And I, but it was great. I expected, I don't say I was expecting, I was wondering like when the people get up to switch tables, like how many people 
decide to switch rooms instead of switch, switch tables. And there really wasn't a mass exodus like sometimes there can be. Yeah. I'm also curious when I go to ACP, I'm always trying to look at the horizon and, and get a glimpse into what is coming. And certainly AI and the work in that space is, is one of the themes that you guys started to see. But what else is, did you get a glimmer of? What else do you think is promising that is on the horizon for us? Well, one, one session that I went to was called A Tale of Two Students. And it was really about offering students coaching that they've struggled in some way related to experiential learning. And it's not an academic issue. Like we think of tutoring and student success is about preparing people knowledge-wise. But this was really how to manage your time, how to manage yourself, how to be a professional, how to communicate effectively to various stakeholders. And this really requires more of a coaching approach. And we've talked about coaching here before as an approach to student education. And and I thought it was a great session. Eric Gilliam, who's at University of Colorado, was a coach. He apparently he's got a professional certification in, in coaching. And so he was hired by another school, which I think is actually the interesting part of it is the coaches were not from the faculty of the school and therefore created some distance to allow the students to share what was going on in their lives, enabled Eric to be on really their advocate because he's he's external to the organization. And I think I think that's a trend that we ought to be thinking about is like how can we create opportunities for students to feel that they can share and and not be beholden to the school because they often feel embarrassed that they're not performing well and then they're assigned to a faculty member or somebody a staff member and that just makes them feel worse about their performance like they're being remediated and i think creating a climate where students can be coached through a difficulty with someone who's external to the school is is an interesting concept. Stuart, I, I thought that was a great session too. And it really brought to me the idea. I had some of our early career folks that were like, this is so great. Coaching would help for the academics. Perhaps this perception of coaching is not what you do because there's something wrong with you. I think that was very eye-opening. A coaching model might be really beneficial for our students as well as our teachers. And that you're right, having, having, reducing any shame associated with that by perhaps having that coach be at least one step removed from whoever they are coaching. So Brooke Griffin at Midwestern gave a really good presentation during the teaching seminar, and it was mentors versus um, coaches versus sponsors. And it was purely from a faculty standpoint. I think it went really well and opened the eyes to a lot of people. Yeah, and the roles are somewhat different. So that's what Brooke's talk was about. Mentors are more about advice giving because they've been there and they're in your shoes, so to speak, or just ahead of you. Whereas coaching is really not about giving advice. It's really about drawing from you what your thoughts are, your feelings are, so that you gain your own insights to move forward. And so I think a coaching model is really terrific. And anyone can learn the skills of coach, and you can coach people who are not in, in your discipline. So that's the other advantage of it, I think, in some ways. Anyway, I think coaching is kind of a hot topic. I mean, it is in the professional world. It has been. 
but I think it's coming to academia now yeah. and people are starting to look at it as a, a mechanism for development of faculty, staff, and students. So, What else? What other promising possibilities did you guys hear about? I think one thing we noted was a real need, probably generationally, on who, who is in the academy now. But we use these meetings for the innovations, what's coming next. But going back to core skills, that we noted the, the session about multiple choice item writing was literally busting out to the halls. And so many have commented on, oh my gosh, we need this. We need this. And I was like, that might have been something that I would have done as part of the learning to teach seminar. That's yep. probably was my first exposure to that. But we really want to make sure with these conferences that we do get those innovations, but we're also making sure that there's enough sort of first principles that would support the early workforce. Yeah, that that session when I was sitting in it reminded me that we don't need to forget that there are a lot of very new novice faculty members that get overwhelmed by this big innovation and the big things that are going on. It's like, I just want to know how do I handle that first day of class or how do I write that test question? And we don't need to forget that because it seems to get lost because the people who are planning and and are doing this, we've been doing it for so long, you sort of forget that there are people who just need some very basic stuff. Another thing that uh, my team picked up on reference growth mindset a lot. And again, that's you know, that's normalized for me to talk about it. When I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, there is a gap. I've just kind of assumed that people, just like any area where once you ha have some expertise, it's hard to put your mind back in that novice area. We really need to have more discussion about some of these these key things. And I was like, oh, I, I could, I'm such a fangirl of Carol Dweck. I could talk about that all day. And yet I'm obviously not. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's one of the, the reasons why we, we do the FICA, right, is to talk about concepts with each other, but also to get the word out there about some, not just cutting edge stuff, some concepts that have been around and then like, how do we actualize them? So it's one thing to be aware of mindsets. It's another thing to actually do things differently so that you're cultivating a growth mindset, right? And Because that's not an easy thing to do. Building awareness about the concept is one thing, but moving it into action is another. And I think we're still learning how to do that as an academy, for sure. So I had another question for you guys. You mentioned already the World Cafe. And I know I'm always on the lookout for how these sessions are being delivered and um, how, how the posters go. And you see these trends, too, in, in different ways that people are presenting or they're sharing about what they do, formally or informally. Did you see anything else that was new and interesting in the, in the presentation realm? The one thing that was a little different, and so at BCU, there's some use of virtual reality and sort of the headsets and had those at the poster session which people could try out and do. Obviously, that's not going to be it that everyone can do, but it was the, maybe the first time I think I've ever seen something of that sort. Yeah, I, saw, I went to that poster too. It was really great and a lot of fun to, to experiment with that. You're always sort of limited to what the hotel can provide in these sessions. There definitely was a lot of whole everywhere, Mentimeter, audience response systems. But I think, personally, I'm always a little fearful of using too much technology until I know what the hotel can support. 
Because Jeff Kane could be in the room next door also using up all the Wi-Fi in his session. I, I would say there was a lot of different ways of interactivity. There was some Padlet, but I didn't see anything other than the VR headsets that I thought was like, wow, I hadn't ever seen that before. A lot of good use of video. I will say one of the reasons why the World Cafe appealed to me so much is that it didn't rely on technology. And I think we think that the way to engage an audience is to add a lot of gizmos and and technology into the session, and it creates engagement. But uh, a low-tech way of doing it, because at each of the tables, we had some questions that we were asked to answer and a little handout that we filled out and discussed with each other. And it created a tremendous amount of engagement with virtually no technology other than paper and pencil. And one of the things that's killing meetings is actually the technology costs. And I think one of the things we ought to be thinking about as educators is what are some low-tech ways that we can to, to engage with not only our learners, but at, at conferences, because the technology is very expensive and it really contributes to the high cost. So how do we reverse that trend a little bit and think in low-tech ways, like overhead, like and anyone came in with an overhead and actually started writing. <laughs> but it gets your attention. Sometimes the low-tech way gets you to pay attention to it more because it's unusual for you now. I agree that we shouldn't make it about the technology. Sometimes it's hard to talk about. I have been in an AACP conference where they wanted me to talk about technology, but I didn't have the ability to use technology yeah. to talk about it. And I was like, I think it's going to be very difficult for me to do this. On the other side, I was thinking about you a little bit, KJ. Somebody I really respect, just a passing comment, was like, if I have to sit, introduce myself to people I don't know at a table one more time, I'm out. And I was like, okay, we also have to remember that you're designing a session that's within an architecture. And so I don't know what Jeff has had them do in his session or Stuart has had them do in his session. So Sometimes it's not that the individual thing is difficult. It's that the collective of that. Yeah. And, um, and I, it made me think about when we do this in a curriculum, you know, our students, exactly. exactly yep. That they're like, Oh my gosh, how many times are you going to ask us to do a think pair share? I've done think pair share nine times today. So just sort of being cognizant of the collective model of what you're what your meeting might be communicating. Anything used too much, any technique or strategy used too much or too often gets stale. Yes. Yeah. So having variety is really important. Yep. So you guys know I wasn't there. Is there anything else I should know about the AACP meeting? I made notes to, to look at the reports again. I had been waiting for those and do some follow-up with some of the posters. Well, one thing that I I think we should mention, and Stuart, you're not allowed to cut this out. We'll know if you edit this out, is congratulating Stuart on his Distinguished Teaching Scholar Award, along with Neil Benedict, I believe was the other recipient. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today, guys. We've covered topics, certainly, that have risen to the top and issues and problems that we're working on in the academy, some different formats that we experienced. And you guys haven't said much about the joy of all the social interactions. I have one thing to say because I wasn't at the Gaylord and it's not that I'm crying that I was sleeping in my own bed, but it meant that the sort of informal just run into somebody after hours or early for coffee that I didn't get that. 
and I realized I really missed it. There's so much spontaneous community that's built through those. And we missed you, Tina. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's always such an important part of the meeting is having that break time, that interaction with people, going out to dinner with people at night. It really is a, a significant reason why we gather and come together. That was Russ Melchert's theme this year. And I, I, I think it's challenging to have community if you don't have some face-to-face time. It cultivates us in between times so that when we're doing all the rest of the stuff online and engaging in other ways, we know each other. We have a familiarity with each other. So yeah, I think the annual meeting is really critical for that. And I enjoy it immensely. Well, you want to wrap it up for us, Stuart? I hope people who have not been to an AACP meeting in in the past consider going next year is going to be in Boston. Then I believe it's in Chicago. So you got two great cities in a row to go to. They're great destinations with lots of fun things to do with people in the academy, with your friends. And I'll also look for ways to get more engaged with the association through committees and task force and Council of Faculties, Council of Deans, all those things, I think, enrich the experience. And there's just so much being authored to the organization. So yeah, it's been an important part of my life, as I know it's been an important part of all of your lives. Well, thanks to you all for sharing some of the highlights with me, and I hope to be there next year. And I hope everyone out in our audience has has had fun reflecting on their experiences as well. Bye. Take care, everybody. Have a great start to the fall semester. (laughs) Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Fika, a podcast where we enjoy coffee and conversations. If you liked this episode, please pass it along to a colleague and be sure to rate us. You can share your reactions on Twitter at Pharmacy Fika, but please be kind. This is a safe space. Got a question or want to suggest a topic for a future episode? Leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash Pharmacy Fika. Bye for now. Namaste. Das Vidanya. Au revoir.